Hello, it's Bonnie here and thanks for listening to The Leader. This is where we bring you the latest news, interviews and analysis from the Evening Standards newsroom every day at 4pm. Hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And if you like it, give us a rating too. We'd love to hear what you think. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. How lockdown will hit some of the most vulnerable children for years to come. We have young people living with parents who've been under enormous stress. Some of the children, their education just disappeared into the ether. Our investigations editor David Cohen on his exclusive report revealing a shocking fall in home visits by children's services. And... He's going to do things that nobody ever would ever think even possible because he's following the radical left agenda. As the US presidential election battle heats up, an exclusive survey reveals most Brits would rather Joe Biden beat Donald Trump, but few believe he will. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the at-risk children left high and dry during lockdown. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. An Evening Standard Investigations found thousands of vulnerable young people across London, including some most at risk, were not visited by children's services teams during lockdown. We can reveal face-to-face visits in the three months until the end of June plummeted by 75% in some boroughs. That's causing huge concern among childcare professionals, and our editorial column says it can't go on. What has happened behind closed doors during London's lockdown? We know the stories of home working, Zoom calls, clapping key workers with our neighbours and spending time in a quieter city. But there are things we don't know about too, some of them much darker and more worrying. The Evening Standard has exposed one of them, the shocking collapse in visits by children's services teams to vulnerable families during lockdown. 
Of course, carrying out work like this is never simple, and asking people to go out on visits when others could work from home is demanding. But replacing face-to-face -face visits with Skype or Zoom calls leaves children at risk. You simply can't tell if a child is threatened or frightened without seeing them. Soon we will see the consequences, but before then we need councils to work out how to get their teams out again to give young people the protection they need. The Evening Standard's David Marsland spoke with our investigations editor David Cohen on this story. He started by asking him how serious the risk is to children's services when they can't physically meet with young people. Experts and child practitioners have been talking a lot over this period about what they call digital or online uh, connection to young people. And the uh, overwhelming feeling is that Zoom or Skype or FaceTime can never be a substitute for face-to-face -face visits. Practitioners say that if a young person is at risk, they can't really assess the risk online, let alone begin to manage it. You can't read body language, you can't read tone of voice, and possibly most importantly, you can't know who's just out of video or camera shot it could well be the person who they're at risk from. If you remember that young people are at risk sometimes from their own families, but also sometimes from their communities. And one of the, the experts in this area, a, a youth worker from a charity, one of the things they were saying is that sometimes even phoning the young person is difficult because they don't have a phone and you have to phone them through their parents who in some cases, as I said, is the risk factor. But all this being said, David, we do have a situation where lots of people are working at home. There is still a risk of coronavirus. Can we really ask people to go into other people's homes to see these children? Well, there are ways. So some of the councils say they are seeing them either in their home or near their home. So it's possible to see a child outside you could go to the front door in PPE gear and um, see the child who comes outside and you can maintain distance I think it's quite possible to do this um, and some of the councils are clearly trying to do this um, but yes it, it it is difficult and it's extre been extremely challenging and it's uh, you know posed them with the kind of challenges that they've never had to face before for your article in the evening standard today you've spoken to some of the young people who are working with children's services what kind of things did they tell you what concerns were they raising well so for example we carry the case study of a young 17 year old called Zach who's uh, whose mistake was to befriend children from a rival estate to the one he lived in. A killing took place in which the gang members he befriended had killed somebody in his estate, the gang in his estate. And although he was not involved in any way in this, he became, in, a, in the words of the local gang, a legitimate target by association. There were talks ahead of lockdown of moving him because his life was clearly in danger. He was getting daily threats on social media. 
suddenly lockdown happens and everything froze, everything stopped. Uh, a few weeks into lockdown, things were fine. He was staying at home, but then as one does, young people start to leave the home. And one day he went out and a group of young people came at him with machetes and he barely was able to get home. And he called, he was on a f on the phone to his youth worker that night, a youth worker from a charity that had come in to help him. Um, he had been begging social services to move him this youth worker started advocating on his behalf, said he needs to be moved this weekend. Social services literally had one person there that weekend, unable to act quickly, unable to see him. And this, without this charity worker acting on his behalf, he feels that this young person may well not be alive today. So there are clearly immediate dangers being faced by some young people. I wonder, though, if in the years to come, we're going to see problems arising because of a lack of facilities available to some young people during this time that might not be apparent right now. I think I think that's um, a very good supposition, David. I mean, basically, we have young people living with parents who've been under enormous stress. Some of them will have not seen, will, will have seen their parents perhaps not being able to cope, displaced anger onto the children. Um, I, I've, I've interviewed young people and, and families, parents, where there are now sort of 14 of them living in a three-bedroom. So every available room is now used as a bedroom. Some of the children were at schools where there was quite a lot of tension on them, but others would have been at pupil referral units and their education just disappeared into the ether. So the impacts on young people's mental health and education prospects, I think, is something that we need to talk about moving forward and will have impact in years to come. And you can read David's special report in the Evening Standard newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. Next. If the result was going to be decided in the UK, it's quite clear that Mr Trump would almost certainly get a hammering. Most Brits want Donald Trump out of the Oval Office, but come November, few think that's likely. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Three months out from November, all eyes are turning towards the US presidential election. Donald Trump is trailing behind Democrat Joe Biden and his latest deeply personal attack against his rival signals an ugly battle ahead. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God, he's against guns. He's against energy, our kind of energy. 
As the UK looks on, an exclusive Ipsos Murray survey for the Evening Standard reveals more than two-thirds of Brits would prefer Mr Biden to win, but far fewer believe he will. Our Deputy Political Editor Nick Cecil joins me now. Nick, how does the UK view Donald Trump ahead of the election? Well, the Evening Standard has got an exclusive poll by Ipsos Murray today which shows that if the presidential election was being decided here, Joe Biden would be a clear winner. Basically, this survey shows that 69% of the public want Mr Biden to win, compared to 12% who would prefer Donald Trump to win. Even a majority of Conservative supporters actually favour Mr Biden, uh, 54%. And that number spirals among Labour backers up to 89%. But wanting something is very different from expecting. If you look at adults generally, 42% expect Mr Biden to win, which is ahead of Mr Trump, who's on 38%, but not by a large margin. Given the times we're in now, have those figures changed much since the last election? Well, certainly back in 2016, before the last election, The British public already took a very dim view of Donald Trump, with 84% having an unfavourable view towards him. This reading currently is still over three quarters, with 64% of adults in Britain having a very unfavourable opinion of Mr Trump. Now, obviously, the elections are not decided here. Uh, They're decided in America. And the US polls put Mr Biden ahead, uh, including in many key battleground states, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. But certainly, if the result was going to be decided in the UK, it's quite clear that Mr Trump would almost certainly get a hammering. And how did the Brits' view of Joe Biden compare with the previous candidate, Hillary Clinton? Joe Biden doesn't excite people in Britain very much. Certainly compared to Mr Trump, only 15% of people have an unfavourable view of him. But certainly people generally generally feel less strongly about him than they did either way about Hillary Clinton. You mentioned that Donald Trump was trailing behind in a number of states. Is that gap still widening? No, he, he had been falling quite sharply in the polls, but that seems to have steadied now. So it's probably not all over for Mr Trump yet. Um, and in, in certainly in some polls, um, for example, there's one in Iowa, which puts him um, a, a few points behind. Mr Biden is, is clearly the favourite, but wouldn't quite rule out Donald Trump yet. And that's The Leader. You can read more on those stories by picking up a copy of the newspaper or visiting standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back on Monday at 4pm. 